vulnerable, zany, and aligned. Well, hello there, brave hearts. Welcome to the Brave Files podcast. I'm your host, Heather Vickery. Hey, have you heard the exciting news? I have a new book coming out. The book is called Fuck Fearless, Making the Brave Leap, and it's officially being released on October 28th. The book breaks down my coaching platform, The Brave Method, which isn't an enter at A and exit at Z step-by-step guide how to do anything. It's a creative and strategic approach on how to build a life that's full of authenticity, bravery, joy, and love, and how to do it on your own terms. I share The Brave Method with you from a series of personal stories, memoir style, case studies from both people I've coached and other guests on this podcast. We call those brave spotlights and actionable items that we call, of course, brave action for you to step right into this beautiful, authentic, brave life that you most desire and deserve to build. But I need your help. Will you help me get the word out about the book by joining my Brave Circle book launch team? It's going to be so much fun if I have you there with me. There are several ways that you can support me and the book launch. Visit vickeryandco.com slash brave circle and let us know A, that you want to be part of the brave circle and B, how you want to participate. We really want to use whatever resources you're most comfortable with to have you help us spread the word. I'm so excited to have you with me on the team. I look forward to connecting with you. We're going to give away fun prizes. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be fun. I hope you'll join the Brave Circle. All right, folks, the episode we have for you today is so much fun. I loved my conversation with Mike Iamelli, whose name, by the way, I totally butchered at the start of this interview. And we do talk about that towards the end of the conversation. Mike has a fascinating story. He stumbled into the spotlight in 2014 after his highly unusual coming out story went viral. He built a business off that viral blog post, and when it failed, Mike was crushed. But rather than letting the failure itself define him, Mike decided to host a failure celebration that changed his life. Turns out, failure is a really valuable resource, and it leads to an awful lot of success. Today, Mike helps others discover their life's passion and purpose with something he calls sensitivity mapping. In this conversation, Mike and I talk about value of failure, how our minds and our bodies align, or in Mike's case, unalign, the power of being vulnerable and asking for help, and why it's important to prioritize your health in order to have a successful business or career. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. 
Hey everyone, today I am joined by Mike Mel, and he is a life purpose expert and brand strategist, but he's helped hundreds of people to connect the dots between their lived experiences to find the common thread that explains their subconscious motivations, unique genius, and life purpose. Those are so many things that sound really cool to me, how your subconscious motivations connect to your unique genius and your purpose in life. I am super excited about that. Mike helps folks do all sorts of things from branding and building a business to exploring identity and sexuality to finding their artistic voice and even rediscovering themselves after life-altering events like divorce or retirement. He's also an author. His book out is called Enough Already, Create Success on Your Own Terms, and that is speaking my language. Mike is here to share his provocative and vulnerable take on life with his story about rethinking sexuality after his first same-sex relationship and so much else. Mike, welcome to The Brave Files. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) I'm excited to have you. I really am. You hit all my hot button words. (laughs) I love all of that. And before we dig in too far, I know people want to know, what is a life purpose expert? Yeah, right. I'm always figuring that out. So, um, you know, I don't think that you fall into a job like this, right? You often don't know your purpose, and that's why you get to where you get. And so for me, what I actually do for work, and I've been doing it for about eight years now, is I map people's lived experiences. So I listen to stories, and what I'm doing is figuring out what you subconsciously do every time you're successful. And so in your relationship, in your friendships, when you're successful at work, Every human being is doing something. We all have this subconscious success formula, and I'm understanding what that is and what makes you feel purposeful so that you can understand why this launch worked, but this one failed, why this relationship worked, but that one failed, and we're starting to understand just who you are and what makes you feel purposeful and successful. Okay, so I love all of that, and I think it's really cool, and I also that you admit that these things are always ever evolving, right? Like the more we do, the more we know, the more things shift and change. A person doesn't just decide to do that. And I don't think there's a degree in that. So I'm guessing that your life experience led you to recognizing that you had this gift. Maybe you'd done so for yourself, but to share with others. So can you tell us what led you to doing this? Like, where's your journey in this? Yeah, you are in for a story. So, you know, I was pretty successful early in life. I started a public relations agency when I was 22 years old. And this was a pretty successful agency. So I worked with billionaires. I worked with healthcare politicians. I specialized in healthcare reform. And a few years later, I was making a lot of money. I was working long hours. I woke up one day in my mid-20s, and I was vomiting blood. Oh, and that was, wow. Yeah, obviously scary. I didn't know what to do with that. Um, I was vomiting blood every day for about two months straight. I was hospitalized to get fluids because I was losing so many fluids. I was losing weight. I couldn't eat anything. It got to such a point that I actually had an accident at work. So I literally shit my pants at work, um, which was devastating, right? Yeah, I I couldn't control my bowels. I, um, that's a whole nother story, but I got to such a bad place that I couldn't cook for myself. I couldn't drive myself to appointments and I really thought I was going to die. And so in the midst of this, I had one roommate who was in a relationship and she was never around. And the other roommate was a guy I knew from college. I kind of knew him. And he was on pharmacy residency. So he knew the medical system. And he was also just there during the day. And so he would drive me to appointments and start to take care of me. And when I couldn't cook for myself, he would cook for me. 
And about two months into this process, I realized I was developing feelings for him. Okay. And this was strange for me because up until this moment in my life, I had never been with a man and to my conscious knowledge, never been attracted to a man. And so here I was, and you know, to put you in my psychology at the time, I'm thinking like, hey, am I just scared I'm gonna die? And this is a human within sure. proximity, right? Like I didn't Absolutely. know what to think. Yeah. And we do develop atta- attachments to people who are loving and caring, and especially when we're super in need of that, that that's normal. Right, totally. So I'm kind of like, is this real? Is this not real? And also, I was doing crazy radical therapies because I thought I was going to die. So I was, you know, acupuncture, Reiki, reflexology. I was writing handwritten letters to every member of my family, telling them everything I never said out loud. And so I'm in this mindset of just like, if I'm vomiting blood, I've got to let everything come up. And so I decided one day, I'm just going to tell him about this. Now, it didn't feel sexual or even romantic, but it felt like something. And I said, I'm just going to tell him that I feel something that doesn't feel like a friendship. And so I got up the nerve. His name's Garrett. And I said, Garrett, I don't know how you're going to react. I don't know if you're going to want to punch me in the face, if you're not going to want to be friends with me. But I feel something here. Something has changed. And I feel like I need to be honest about it. And I'm so grateful that he's one of the most thoughtful people in the world. Because he said, okay, it's a lot, but let me think about this. <laughs> and so today, you know, I'm condensing months down into just a few minutes. But over the course of conversations and emails, we decided to try to make a relationship work. And it was one that wasn't physical yet. Um, we still dated women, but we explored an emotional relationship with one another. And so may I ask then, is this, was this also Garrett's first same-sex relationship? It was, absolutely, yeah. So he okay. was recently out of a six-and-a-half-year relationship with a woman. Um, he's actually, Garrett had only ever, there was that relationship and then me. So, um, oh, you wow. know, it, yeah, so this is all going on, and we started to explore this relationship. Meanwhile, I knew I needed to leave my job, because if you're vomiting blood, probably not a yeah. good thing. So I said, okay, I've got to leave this job and I don't know what to do. I am a writer. I'm in public relations. I'm very successful. This is all I know how to do. So I started going to every school you can imagine. And I did the thing I never recommend anyone listening do, which is I gave a year's notice at work. Oh. Now, I don't recommend you oh, do that. But why would I, you do Because, you know, I was an owner of this company and I thought like, I've got to do right by these people. I'm going to, you know, put them in a good position and get the company in the right spot. It was hell. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Slowly phased out. My assistants didn't know. My clients couldn't know because they might jump ship. It was a disaster. But while that's going on, I'm working full time. I'm navigating my first same sex relationship. I'm trying to heal myself. I'm now going to herbal school full-time and nutrition school full-time and going to a whole bunch of intuitive classes. It was quite a year. But I finished that year and I decided, you know what? I'm just going to be like the herbalist to Boston's tech entrepreneurs because they might get sick. I know all of them, (laughs) right? I'm an herbalist now. (laughs) I want to help people not get sick. And so I I finish. Um, Garrett and I have now been together about a year and a half and we decided it was real. We were now exclusive and we started telling people in our family, not wide networks of friends yet, but people in our family because we knew this was a real thing. And so and, I, and just to clarify, when you said Garrett and I are now, you mean now as in then? N- yes. Now as in a year and a half after we had started, right when I was okay. leaving my job. So it was kind okay. of coinciding. 
And okay. so we moved in just the two of us, no roommates at this point, and I started being this herbalist. And I wasn't making a lot of money, but worse than that, I hated it. I didn't love it, and I'm a writer. I missed writing. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, Mike, you have ghostwritten books and articles your whole career. Why don't you use your own voice and write for yourself for the first time ever? And so I started a blog. And now I wasn't going to talk about my relationship because that wasn't public yet. But I could talk about being very successful at a young age, realizing success wasn't what I was cracked up to be. I got really sick and redefining success. This I could Mm -hmm. talk about. Mm -hmm. And so I started a blog writing every weekday. And about three months later, a publisher reached out to me and said, Mike, I love your voice. I've been following you. Can I give you a book deal? That's amazing. That's everybody's dream. Nobody gets that. Right. So I'm sitting here like, does this happen? I mean, I just get a book deal out of the blue. Yeah. You're going to pay me to do what I'm doing? Sure. She said, and she even said, you know, you can just combine a bunch of your blog posts and turn it into a book. And so I am, you know, writing this book and she was a queer editor and she said, such an important part of your story is your relationship. I think you need to talk about it in the book. And she convinced me to talk about it in the book. And so I turned in that manuscript and then I think, oh shit. I have to tell people about this before it shows up on the shelves of Barnes & Noble, right? Like, I have to tell people in my life that I'm in this relationship. And so I decided, I'm a writer, I have this blog. Now, it's not huge, huge, but it has enough followers that people in my life know that what I can do, instead of telling one-by-one people, I can write about it, let them all talk shit behind my back, and then come to me. I don't have to deal with their emotional mess in the moment. And I thought, this is beautiful. This is what I want. And so I write this blog post. A publication that I was writing for picked it up. Long story short, I went to bed that night and I woke (laughs) up the next morning with 100,000 people sharing this blog post. Your coming out story isn't that much different than mine. I feel that that a little bit. Wow. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you what it's like to wake up to millions of people talking about your sex life. I mean, it was just the most Uh surreal experience. I mean, I had phone (laughs) calls from NPR and Huffington Post and I was like, I I don't even know what's going on. thousands of emails in my inbox and really everything you can imagine, you know, people supporting me, people, you know, saying I'm not part of the queer community or I'm a liar, people um, attacking me or asking me for nude photos of me. I mean, it was just across the gamut. And I was being asked to speak at pride events. And I was like, I'm not qualified for this. Like, this is not. And it was Mm -hmm. a very surreal moment. And so as all of this is going on, I'm realizing I'm a mess. Like I have a book deal. I have millions of people talking about me. I'm making zero dollars and I have no (laughs) business model. What am I doing with my life? And so I decided to become obsessed with this idea of life purpose because I couldn't figure out my purpose. I couldn't figure out what any of these things had to do with one another. And I felt like I was going after the things I wanted, but it was all over the place. And so I've read every book. I mean, you name a life purpose book, I promise you I've read it. And I... You know, you read enough of these things, and they all pretty much say the same things. Figure out your passions, figure out what the world needs, figure out your skills, figure out that middle point. I thought, okay, 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 I can do this. What does life purpose and PR and branding and blogging and book deal and same-sex relationship and vomiting blood, what do these things even have in common? And weeks later, I realized, oh my God, it is so obvious. I meant to create a blogging course. And this blogging course, yeah, it's going to be about helping people get a book deal, but it's going to be deep and spiritual, healing yourself, finding your wounds, finding parts of yourself you didn't know. This makes total sense. So 
I put everything into this blogging course, right? Because like, you know your purpose. I know this. I don't care that I've got no money. I don't care I've got, I've got a year without working. I put everything into this. So I've got the fancy lighting kit, that microphone, my business partner, my web designer, like you name it, thousands of dollars later, there I am. Put this thing out into the world. I know this is my meal ticket. And I think five people bought it. Oh, it was I a was colossal like, this isn't failure. gonna go well. <laughs> this is not going well. No, I lost thousands of dollars. And I thought, I'm done. I am done. Yeah, we've all I'm been there mess. and done that. Yeah, like I, I have publicly failed because now all these people are watching me. I am so embarrassed. I'm done. I'm going back to public relations, begging my partners to take me back. I don't know if I have a job at my own company, but begging them to take me back. And I quit. I just quit. And so before I quit, I did something that changed my life. And I didn't know this at the time, but we're going to see in a moment that my future work would have predicted this. I decided to host a failure celebration. Yes. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, the thinking at the time was, yes, I'm a failure. I totally failed. But at least I did things that got me to failure. At least I took risks, right? That implies a risk. And so I said, I went for love. I went for vulnerability and honesty, right? I went for to be a truly aligned life. Maybe I failed, but I went for it. And so as part of this failure celebration, I took the one thing I was still confident in, which is branding and public relations. And I said, you know what? I am just going to celebrate everyone out there who feels like a failure. I'm going to offer all of you free branding sessions. I'm going to help you build your business and brand for free. And then I'm out. And so I went into a Facebook group I was a part of who had all spiritual entrepreneurs. And I said, all of you, as many as I can do in a day, I'll give you nine hours of my time. I will build all of your brands because this is something I've done public relations over and over again. I'm really good at mapping your brand and telling you exactly what your brand is and how to build from there. Okay. So I did nine hours worth, literally stopping sessions to pee, but I didn't care. I was giving this away. And I'm used to working with, you know, these tech billionaires and healthcare politicians and people with big, big companies. But the people I worked with that day were artists and psychics and healers and, you know, entrepreneurs, therapists, all types of cool people. And I do these sessions. I think I did six. I fit in six that day. And all six people said to me some variation of, yeah, Mike, this is great about my brand, but this isn't about branding. You just explain my whole life purpose. It all makes sense. And I'm sitting there like, what the, f- what? What are you talking about? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about here. This is about branding. And they said, I get that, Mike, but my brand is my purpose. I'm a solopreneur and this is really my purpose, what you've just mapped. And so I sit with this and I, you know, get off that last call. I'm planning on quitting and I decide to try this on myself. And what did I have to lose at this point? So I start mapping my own brand and I came out with six words at the end of it. And you've already heard three of those words. Aligned, zany, free, unmistakable, successful, and vulnerable. And there was just this moment of like, this click. And I started thinking about Garrett and I realized, oh my God, with Garrett, I've never been that safe to be vulnerable. I've never felt like I literally can't make a mistake. I am unmistakable. Mm. And in PR, I can see how I was for these words, but I wasn't vulnerable. I wasn't aligned. And it just started clicking to me that any time in my life I felt all six words, everything worked out for me and it felt purposeful. Anytime I felt the opposite or less words, it didn't work out and things started making sense. And so I went over to my email and I saw that I got an email from one of the women I worked with that day. And she said to me, Mike, I loved our work today. I've been raving about you. My friend wants to buy this. What do you call this thing? Do you sell it? 
I was like, I don't know, but if you pay me, I can. So I said, okay, it's branding, but you're telling me it's life purpose. I'll call it sacred branding. Made up that term. The next day I had a client. I wasn't making a lot of money, but I had one client. I figured, you know what? I'll make a rule that I won't leave my job until I don't have any more clients because that just makes sense. And so I had this one client. The day after that, I had two more clients. Mm. Here we are eight years later. I never ended up leaving. And I can tell you with certainty in those eight years, my understanding of life purpose has changed radically. And the way that I work with people has really evolved to me basically being able to map their life purpose in two and a half hours. That is so cool. And so when you say your job, this is your business that you have created out of almost accidentally out of your failure celebration. Absolutely. Yeah, this is my business. That is so awesome. I love that. Now, that was, you clearly have rehearsed that very well. And it was was well done. (laughs) I've told the story a few times. You might have told the story from the stage once or twice, but that's okay. (laughs) I really want to let you get it out because I think it's great. But now I have questions. I have so many questions. Shoot. The first one is, what was your medical diagnosis that you were so sick? Great question. So I've been diagnosed with a few different things. Um, you know, I, I have inflammatory bowel disorder. So like um, ulcerative colitis. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, I've also at the time was diagnosed with severe pancreatitis based on my pancreatic enzyme levels. And I had infections in a few major organs. So basically wow. the, I had a few diagnoses, but it was chalked up to something autoimmune. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then safe to jump to the conclusion that all of it was triggered by extreme stress? Yeah, I mean, we think so. Obviously, you know, <laughs> still today, I have, you know, I'm gluten-free and dairy-free. I try not mm-hmm. to get too stressed out and I don't do alcohol or caffeine. Yeah, I mean, I feel healthier than ever now. So I think my life wasn't 100% aligned. I think that I was really stressed out. And yeah. fortunately, I feel a lot healthier today. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I love that. You said something that... um I really just, it really resonated that you had these words and you recognized that in your relationship with Garrett, you were finally showing up in some of these ways that you had never been able to or even thought about doing prior to that. What what was that awareness like and what about that, your relationship with him or maybe that uh coming into yourself, I think is maybe part of it, gave you that sense of freedom. Yeah, you know, well, first of all, free is one of those words. So it was an incredible freedom. But I think that I had never been with someone and I've mapped Garrett's sensitivities, of course, and one of his is safe and another Mm. one is proud. And I've really, you know, one thing I love in my work is exploring how couples can support one another and how through, you know, him being proud of me, I can be more successful. Through his safety, I can be more vulnerable. And so it started to, as I kind of have come to understand this work more analytically, it started to make sense to me the way that Garrett is the most non-judgmental person in the entire world. And like I said, I came to him saying I had developed these feelings and he was kind of like, okay, let me sit with and think about this. And so even that reaction tells you so much about him. And he works with, you know, a lot of homeless population patients who have diabetes. I mean, he does incredible work in the world. So incredible patients. And so I think that for me, it just felt like extreme safety. It felt like I can literally not make a mistake. Anything I say is the right thing because I am right. Mm, I love that so much. I love uh, that awareness that other people's strengths can help 
bolster us in ways. I mean, that's what true partnership is about. And it, and it can be with a romantic partner, but it could be with anyone and finding the ways to do that. I, I wonder, do you ever um, almost like match make in companies? I'm thinking like if, if everyone came together and you did this for all of them and said, this is, these are the best ways for you all to work together. It would be yeah. so cool. Yeah, so I have um, actually, I've worked with a few hospitals, I've worked with a few, you know, um, startups, and basically exactly that. So what I'm doing is really mapping and understanding the culture, the sensitivities, how they best work together, how they can work as a team and sell to other people. So sales strategies, all that type of Mm -hmm. stuff. That is really cool. I love that. Um, Something that I I hadn't anticipated chatting about today, but now I, when you when I love your big, I'll just blog and come out and Crazy that everyone was reading that, like that that went, mine went viral, but only in my life, not like viral, <laughs> in, in you know, internationally. So you've got one up on me for the, for sure. And that had to have been, I remember how I felt. So that had to have been incredibly, incredibly overwhelming. And it sounds like some folks, especially in the LGBTQ community, wanted right in and some wanted to challenge you right away how did where has that ended up and and how does that process moved you as being a member of the community yeah you know it's been a very uh complicated uh process for me because i think that i really retracted a little bit and felt like i don't know that i fit in here or where i fit in or i want to be a part of this and like crazy things have happened so there's actually a musical about us coming out next year shut um, up like, yeah i'm not kidding about this right <laughs> really really crazy right so s- supposedly it's going to be off broadway next uh spring so we will see but um i've heard a few songs from it but really crazy things and so it was this really interesting moment where on the one hand i was put on this pedestal and i was kind of like i'm just a human we might break up like i have no idea what our relationship's going to be don't put that pressure on me and the other hand i was kind of vilified and hated and even recently actually i had an interview and i was told the interview would not air because i might be too triggering to the audience quite frankly because she felt i was too articulate and she wanted to poke more holes in my story and which was really interesting yeah right super surreal to hear that right very strange but so you know for me I really had a lot of insecurities about my body and about my sexuality and had to explore, you know, internalized homophobia because I felt so objectified and uncomfortable with some of this stuff. And we had a stalking situation. I mean, it got really, really strange. And so um, basically I decided that I really wanted to work on some of this and I created a local organization and um, kind of meetup group, a little support group here in Boston to uh, have gay men come together or GBTQ men come together and really support one another. And it's been phenomenal. And that really shifted so much for me. I then went ahead, and if you check out my Instagram, you will see it. I have a number of boudoir photo shoots to learn how to love my body and posting that and having conversations about that. Yeah. And I'm actually, it's fun. Um, I don't know when exactly this will air, but we are starting in September a GBTQ plus men's group um, to begin to explore their sensitivities in community with one another and work through some of the issues that happen in the community. Oh my gosh, Mike, that's so cool. I love that. And I, I always appreciate as a member of the LGBTQ community, um, that everyone's 
entering into this space from such a unique standpoint, from our own lived experiences with different needs and desires out of it. And we all just want to have our own little spot. We just want to fit. It's not, we're not all created the same. And that's what makes it so beautiful is that it's different. And I hear the very thoughtful intention when you you drop the L. I'm, I'm all right with that. So what you're saying is anybody who identifies as male and queer Exactly, for this welcome. particular group. Now, obviously, yeah. I have worked a number of times with lesbians, a number of times with you know, um, trans women, a number of times, I mean, in many of my groups. So this is just this one particular group. Yeah, and I, I, think I think it's, it's a little great. more near and dear to my heart. But I've, I've realized how important it is sometimes to have these very specific identity groups and how people can feel safer to talk about certain issues. Yeah, no, I love it. I, it's great. I mean, women, we it's okay to be together in that way. I just am really thrilled to hear you say that trans folks and non-binary folks are welcome and affirmed in that space because I think it's so important to have spaces that they can uh, opt into. Like, wait, wait, I don't if I don't fit anywhere, where do I fit? And it sounds like you felt that way, even though it wasn't a gender thing for you from what I'm hearing. But also, if I don't fit, where do I fit? What do I do? Exactly. And I think that, you know, queerness, this idea of queerness is the radical notion that who we are is right, right? That it, that could be about gender, that could be about sexuality, but it's who we are is right. Even, you know, desire is right. That could be asexuality. So it could be anything mm. across the spectrum. And I think that's liberating for all people, queer or not, right? Because what we're saying is we're starting with you are right, forget the rules, forget the labels, you are right. And if the world doesn't understand you or have a label that defines you, You've just taught us all more about what it means to be human, right? You've just exploded the labels, and that's fantastic. We want to learn more about humans. The labels aren't right, and we fit into them. It's the other way around. We are right, and labels are trying to explain us. So if they don't explain your lived experience, guess what? Throw them out. You've just taught all of us more about what it means to be human. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I love all of that. I think you are so much fun, and I really am enjoying how you've what I've been talking about you know looking for the signs and being aware and paying attention Uh, manifestation isn't just something that you decide you want to create and it magically happens we identify it and then we put ourselves in positions to make intelligent decisions to see what's in front of us and take action and you're really doing that in such a beautiful way are you and Garrett still together we are. Great question. I should have said it earlier. We are married. We've been married now for about four years. We've been together for a decade. So we are still happily <laughs> together with two dogs. I love that. I love that. I would say congratulations, but it sounds like it's been a long time. I'd love to just spend a minute. Like, It's fascinating to me. You went from roommates and neither of you in, in any way identified as queer to fast forward to getting married. Like, What was it like to make that decision and to have that beautiful commitment, legal commitment, ceremony, love with your families? Like, what was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, you are asking me to condense, you know, seven years into a few minutes here, but um, long. So there was certainly not one step. And I say that to people because I think a lot of people who are in the process or exploring, I get emails all the time, of course, um, feel like, oh my God, you did it so easily, Mike. And I was like, whoa, slow down. You know, you're seeing me on a short podcast for 30 minutes. There's definitely a lot that goes into it. (laughs) Absolutely. When you say a decade, we know these things take time. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But, you know, it was so beautiful and it was so... 
I'm so grateful, you know, vulnerable is one of my sensitivities. And I'm so grateful the way that we got together because we had to be super vulnerable, right? Like the mm-hmm. first time we kissed was uncomfortable and we didn't kiss for a while after that. And so to be that honest and open about our desires, our fetishes, to explore things with one another was such an important foundation of our relationship. And so that really got to carry through in every step of our process. And I actually secretly love being same sex in a wedding because there are no rules. We got to make yes. up whatever. No one yeah. cared what we did. And I was like, great, <laughs> we are not stuck to these norms. And so we chose to have, we got legally married in the US, just a private ceremony, me and Garrett mm-hmm. and a friend who married us. And then we had a um, at home reception, which was beautiful with a lot of people, but we had our actual ceremony in Aruba. And so we had a three day event with 50 people It was so fun, and we really got to include everybody. And so one thing that was important to us was the fact that these people, everyone who was there told a story of our lives. Whether they were a friend or a family member, they were part of who we are and how we came to this moment. And so we asked each person to walk the beach during those three days and find a shell or a stone that really called to them and bring it to the ceremony. Mm. And then before we got there, my sister and Garrett's brother put together a line in the sand of all of these shells and stones. And so the way it works in Aruba is a little bit different than here in the U.S. because you want the gorgeous sunset behind you. That's what you want in your photos. And so instead of, you know, the couple facing the same way as the audience and the officiant facing back towards the audience, it's reversed. So the couple is facing the audience and the officiant. And so what Mm. we chose to do was have that line between us and the officiant and the rest of the wedding. And so we were separated from everyone. And when we got announced as married, we were announced with everyone who brought us to this moment, everything that brought us here and really honoring and acknowledging that we're bringing together families. We are, you know, a summation of all these moments and people in our lives. And now today we are one of those people who have shells in our bathroom, which makes me cringe (laughs) a tiny bit. However, they are so meaningful. And so we still have all those shells and stones in our house. Oh, my gosh. I have chills. I love Every bit of that, you know, well, you probably don't know. I think my regular listeners know I was a luxury event and wedding planner for almost 20 years. So I I know the industry well, and I did a lot of same-sex weddings. And I tried to bring that energy of there are no rules into all weddings because that is one of my favorite things about same-sex weddings is that you you get to invent it all the time. And I've never, in all the years and all the events that I've done, I'd never heard of having your guests go get a shell or a rock or whatever and how you incorporated that. I literally had chills up and down um, because that is so beautiful and magical and a way to bring, create community. It's so lovely. Thank you for sharing that. I love that you shared that with us. Um, Does all of this work, this wonderful stuff that you've shared, all these things that you're doing, does it feel brave to you? Yes, I think. But you know, in the moment, I don't know that brave is the word you necessarily say. I think it's vulnerable, scary, intense, you know, oh my God, what am I doing? And maybe that's the subjective version of what brave feels like, because I think it just feels like coming from the heart, that I just can't do it. You know, I was at that point when I was so sick that I was vomiting blood. It was, I can't keep living this way. If I keep denying who I am, my truth, whatever, I'm going to die. And so it feels like this compulsion that 
I have to be vulnerable. I have to live my truth because there's just no other way to live, literally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really my whole mission. My whole, just a couple of weeks ago, I was out at Podcast Movement and people would say, oh, what do you do? And I would say, brave is my business. And my whole mission is just what you said, which is to help folks identify those things with bravery, everyday bravery, the things that we do that make us our most authentic, vulnerable selves, where we say no, or we say yes, where we just show up for ourselves and our community and people in a way that may feel simple and easy to some folks, but it's really hard for others. And to claim that as brave, like I, that gets to be brave for me to do this. So I love that. Um, what are some of the ways now, I know you said you're gluten-free and dairy-free, uh, and it sounds like you have a lot of things in the air, a lot of moving parts at one time. How do you maintain your own sense of well-being and balance and self-care? Yeah, well, you know, for me, morning routine is a non-negotiable. I'm one of those annoying people, and I have a story for you, so trust me, it's not a glamorous story of how bad things got that I ended up with a morning routine. But um, I get up at 5.30 and I just have to, not for my body, but for my sanity, to you know move my body, release stress from the day before, journal, meditate, pick up my house you know, just in a few hours, and really allow myself to just kind of recenter with myself. I think you know aligned is one of my sensitivities. And I'm extra sensitive to being aligned or being misaligned. And it's so important for me to take, even if it's just five minutes in the day, to recenter and realign for a moment. Yeah, I love that. And uh, people, <laughs> the morning routine is one of those things that comes up. Uh, I will say that for folks who do not have children, it is so much easier to have that mm -hmm. type of morning routine. And I understand the importance of it for those who do have children and you're going, you're sitting here and you're listening and you're going, yeah, that fucking sounds great. Like, uh, I wish. Uh, you can find ways to build in small non-negotiables. For example, my alarm clock went off this morning and I, I can't get up at 5.30 because I break if I get up that early. But it went off and I reset it for eight minutes and I laid in bed and I did my visualization meditation exercise. Eight minutes, just enough to center myself before I start looking at email, before I start packing lunches and negotiating whether or not we've got socks for our shoes. Uh, eight minutes to visualize the life and the day that I want to be having. So there are ways to bring it in. That morning routine is really important. And if you can't get it when you first wake up, it's okay. Do it now or later. Just find time in your space for your for yourself. I love that. Uh, you have so much to celebrate, Mike. I'm thrilled with your idea. Actually, let's dig in for just a second on your failure celebration. We've interviewed several people here. One guy who calls himself Miha, who calls himself the fail coach, which I love, but people who have really started to embrace those failures. Um, first of all, what I'm going to ask you is how do you celebrate? And I want to ask that question, but what made you think, let me have a failure celebration? Yeah. You know, I think for me, it was really like, I want to feel like I got something out of this year because I did things. I went for love. I had a viral article. I had a book deal. I tried yeah. new things. Like this has to be worth something. Yes, I'm leaving broke, but this has to be worth something out there. And so I think it was really for me finding the treasure in the trash, quite frankly. That's it. Yeah. And that radically changed my life. And we talked about one of my sensitivities is successful. So mm -hmm. understanding that actually finding success and seeming failure is one of those hallmarks, the subconscious thing I do every time I'm successful. And so this could have been predicted by my sensitivities had I known them at the time. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you like to celebrate big or small, joyful moments, wins, all of that? How do you like to celebrate? A lot of different ways. I am a huge fan of food. So food, especially food that makes me close my eyes and I can't even speak after I take a bite is just, and I had this experience for the first time since the pandemic started last night. So you're catching me on a good day. Oh, yay. I love that. (laughs) Went to my first really delicious restaurant. And so, you know, dancing is a huge one for me. You know, so much of my body image, you know, learning to claim and love myself was dancing naked in front of the mirror every day while the water heated up for an entire year. Even when I hated what I looked at, I still kept dancing. That's a huge, huge one for me. And if I have the funds and time, massage is another favorite of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those are great. I might try to borrow the dancing naked in front of the mirror. I'm struggling. Full full disclosure vulnerability here. I'm going through menopause uh, and a little bit early. I'm only 46. And when, when that happens to a woman, our bodies shift. Everything shifts. And it's uh, jarring, quite frankly, because we don't rec- – we wake up you know, one day and we don't recognize ourselves. And I love this idea of regardless of how much you're loving yourself internally and externally, uh, giving yourself that gift. So I may just borrow that. I hope other people – do as well. I think that's so cool. Bike, if you were to give our listeners one thing to do, if they wanted to start to find their own life purpose, what's the first thing you would suggest for them? Absolutely. You know, just start mapping what's already working in your life and what's not working. So basically, really simple questions here is you can just ask yourself, you know, in these jobs that I really liked, what was I making people feel? In these moments that felt, you know, challenging or traumatic, what did I feel and what did I want to feel? And I guarantee you they're going to be the exact same things over and over again. You know, all of our emotions can be boiled down to the same core sensitivities over and over again. So start realizing, hey, wait a minute, there's a pattern going on here. And if you ever need help, on my website, we have a free worksheet you can download at mikeimle.com slash map, just M-A-P, totally free, and just answer a few questions and it's going to help you do that. I love that. Um, I was just going to ask you how people can reach out to you. And I realized that I've been pronouncing your last name wrong. Oh, I should have totally asked for fine. phonetic it's a, a spelling. <laughs> it's I am a tough one. It is a I little bit Ellie. of a tough one. It, it is. is. It's like weirdly anglicized. So it's not totally Italian, but it's not <laughs> what you would think in English. So don't worry about it. I am Ellie is spelled I A M E L E. Y'all, that's how it's spelled. Um, So I apologize for getting that wrong. And I'm not even going to have Andrew, my editor, edit it out and fix it because I think it's really important to own our mistakes. And it's also really important to respect people's names. So uh, if I'm going to practice what I preach, we keep it all in and we speak the truth. And thank you for being humble about it. And I will not make that mistake again. Okay. I feel like I could talk to you for a really long time. I'd like to stay connected and, and learn how we can support one another. I hope that you're you're down with that. But in the interest of time, I get to ask you, what is your favorite charitable organization to support? The Trevor Project is a really special mm. organization, I think. Yeah. So you want to tell folks what the Trevor Project is? They've been a, a charity of the week of ours before, but we might have some new listeners this time. Sure, sure, sure. So it's an amazing organization that helps support LGBTQ, uh, especially at youth, um, at you know suicide risk and um, just mental health issues. And it's really just amazing support affirming organization. It is an amazing organization. We are big fans here on Team Brave of 
the Trevor Project. They will be our charity of the week. Y'all get to know them. Give what you can. Time, money, likes, shares, or just introduce the organization to maybe some folks who could really use what they bring to the table. I appreciate that. Mike, will you share your three words with us one last time? Absolutely. Aligned, vulnerable, and zany. I love that. And tell me about zany. Yeah, so weird. This is why I always tell people my work, sensitivities are not about desires. So it's not what you want because desires are fleeting and conditioned, but it's who we truly are in our lived experience. And I hope you got a little taste of that today, but I can be this kind of weird, goofy, high energy, kind of a lot of things going on. And for so much of my life, I shamed myself for that. And I felt like I'm too much. I'm too intense. I'm too passionate. I'm too emotional. And it's really been in claiming that part of myself that I've come into even deeper alignment. Wow. That's beautiful. I'm so glad that I asked you to clarify that. I just want to remind everybody you can connect with Mike. What are the social media platforms you're on, Mike? How can folks find sure, you Sure. The main one right now is Instagram. I am just getting into it. I'm coming out of my shell. So hang out with me on Instagram. It's just at Mike Iamelli. Or you can always go to my website, of course, MikeIamelli.com. Okay. Very good. Thank you so much for being here with us, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, friends. Well, I loved this. This conversation went in some directions that I didn't anticipate. And that's kind of my favorite thing about interviewing and doing it without a script. So we can learn so much about each other and about how we all can embrace everyday brave and this notion of finding your purpose and how that's different from fleeting passion. I think that's really incredible. So if you are finding your purpose... And that's a lot like finding your brave. And you want both of them to help you build a life that you love. It's a whole lot easier to do that when you're surrounded by others who are doing the same thing. And that's why I actually created the Brave on Purpose Collective. We're on Facebook. It's a group filled with people who are vulnerably learning about themselves and intentionally building a life that they love that fulfills all of their dreams and their expectations and their purpose. Membership is free and we would love to have you with us. Just search Brave on Purpose in Facebook, answer three simple questions and bam, you're in. I look forward to seeing you there. If you have thoughts, questions or feedback about this episode or any of our episodes, or if you simply just wanna connect, get to know one another or tell me how you're out choosing bravely, send me an email at heatheravickeryandco.com. I promise to respond to you personally. I can't wait to connect with you. I'll see you over in Brave on Purpose. We'll see you next week for the next episode of the Brave Files podcast. Thank you for being here. This is Heather Vickery reminding you today and always to go out and choose bravely. Hey, friends, I want to share something really exciting with you. We already know you enjoy listening to podcasts because you're listening to this one, but I'm also betting you enjoy audiobooks. And hey, listen, if you don't already enjoy audiobooks, then it's time to check them out. That's why I'm really excited to share Libro.fm with you. They are an incredible new platform for listening to audiobooks. And by choosing Libro.fm over other audiobook services, you are supporting a local bookstore of your choice and investing in your local community. Libro.fm offers over 150,000 audiobooks via their primary platform, which, by the way, they built with love and from scratch because they're a small business also. They even offer bookseller recommendations for great audiobook options. You can sign up right now via www.vickeryandco.com slash Libro.fm. 
That's vickeryandco.com slash L-I-B-R-O-F-M. And when you do, you'll get one free audiobook of your choice, and the proceeds will go to your favorite local bookstore. Now, check what I just said there. You're going to get a free book, and the proceeds are still going to go to your local bookstore because Libro.fm makes sure that their booksellers get paid even when they give a promo to customers. I've listened to over 20 audiobooks this year alone. I especially love listening to memoirs read by the author, and it feels great knowing that all of my purchases support my local bookstore, The Book Table, in Oak Park, Illinois. Libro.fm. The same audiobooks, the same price, but a completely different story. Check them out right now at vickeryandco.com slash Libro.fm. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Maybe you've had this thought and then quickly shut it down because who has the time? Or you don't know how, or gosh, it just all seems too hard. If you have something to share with the world, we want to encourage you to get your message out. The world needs to hear it. Did you know that 50% of all homes are podcast fans? If you've ever wondered about having your own podcast or how it can increase your business or get your message across, then please join me and the other experts from the Podcast Power Academy for our monthly free Q&A session. It's called, So You Want to Start a Podcast? This casual live conversation will help you understand how podcasting can be a great decision, why now is the best time to get started, and how to get into action with it. Visit podcastpoweracademy.com to learn more. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes and full episode transcripts, or to get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we would love to know what you think of the show. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery and Co. Success Coaching. Coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting, a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom delivered soundtracks. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to everyone on Team Brave from our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. Special thanks to Molly, Mary, Kim, Sabra, and Sabrina. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.